0: Vanessa Marin is a licensed psychotherapist whose mission is to help people stop being embarrassed and ashamed of sex and to start having a lot more fun in the bedroom. In the second episode, we discuss mismatch libido, how completely normal it is in relationships. In fact, how it basically plays a role in almost every single relationship ever. And more importantly, how much we can actually learn from it rather than letting it get the best of us. We also discuss our relationship with our bodies, how it's an ongoing process, but how we can cultivate more kindness towards ourselves and how loving yourself enables you to thus experience more love and pleasure with others. And how loving yourself enables you to experience so much more love and pleasure with others. One of the first articles I think I read of yours was that somebody else sent to me actually because they had loved it um it was how to turn your partner down for sex and it kind of I love how it gives these really specific examples Mm -hmm. and it kind of presents it as this opportunity for like for for learning a lot about yourself and about your partner and more of actually this kind of not a bonding experience, but this incredibly constructive tool that people can employ rather than creating this space of tension and avoidance and, and not actually um, trying to understand what is happening in so many of these cases when one person might not feel like having sex as much as the other, considering how, and you talk a lot about mismatched um, drives, which I'd love to touch on after, but I'd love for you to kind of talk a bit on that article.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you found that one. Um, yeah, that was, I think an article that I wrote for life hacker a while back. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that there's actually so much opportunity for us to learn from those moments when our partner initiates sex and we're just not in the mood or not you know, into it in that very second. Um, I think you know this is obviously one of the most challenging kinds of moments for couples because it feels like, oh my God, my partner wants something that I don't want in this moment. So I think a lot of us, it turns into a very negative moment for both partners. But again, I think the reality is that there's so much for us to learn and ways for us to set ourselves up for success in the future. So, you know, a huge part of it is, is, um, well, first and foremost is learning that, it's totally normal for your partner to initiate sex and for you to not be into it in that moment. I mean, it would be a lot weirder if you actually think about it, it would be a lot weirder for you to be wildly into the idea of having sex every single time, you know, in those exact moments that your partner initiated it and vice versa. Like you're two different people, two different sets of needs, two different sex drives. It would just be very strange if you were (laughs) super, super on board the second that your partner initiated. So first and foremost, It's just recognizing that, yes, there are going to be probably more times that you're not into it than there are times that you are into it in that moment. And again, looping back around to this idea of like, okay, so what can we learn from that? So I think a big uh, you know, big example of one thing that we can learn is trying to figure out what are the situations and contexts that make us open to our partner's um, initiations, open to connecting with them in that moment, and what are the situations and contexts where we don't feel as open to that. So looking for patterns throughout it. So if you notice, huh, my partner seems to always initiate sex at the very end of the night when we're already in bed, I'm already half asleep. That's a really valuable piece of information that you can share with your partner. You know, hey, I realize that we're usually saving sex until the very end of the night. At that point, for me, it's just too big of a hurdle to jump over. What if we tried making some space for it earlier in the evening instead when we both have energy? So that's just a great example of, you know, if you can kind of look for some patterns, it's really valuable information that you can share with your partner.
0: Right, and I I've seen even where people they have these PDFs, you know, you can download and write in and pick up on patterns throughout the day. And I think people make these huge generalizations about their sex drive or the sex drive of their partner without ever really examining the patterns. Mm-hmm. And because it's so easy to realize, oh, well, actually, it's just that you know one person is a morning time person and you know loves having sex any time in the morning. And the other person, anytime kind of initiated at night is great. Really late, you know, once they've gotten all their work done or the stress of the day is out of the way, but the other person goes to bed really early, so they're actually already asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the the passion project, which kind of helps people navigate mismatched sex drivers. Which which I'd love you to kind of speak to exactly how common that is. So maybe people can realize (laughs) they're not. Oh my God, you guys aren't the only ones who don't want to have sex 100% at the same time and place and for amount of time as the other one. Yeah, exactly. I,
1: I think that there are mismatched sex drives in pretty much every relationship so every couple is going to have to deal with sex drives that are mismatched in some way and again it may not even be that the sex drives are mismatched but it's just what you guys need and you know the different contexts are a little bit mismatched so it's super super common um, and definitely something that every couple is going to need to figure out how to navigate so of course for some couples it's much a, you know, much bigger of a difference than it is for others. But the bottom line is that we all have to learn how to navigate these differences
0: in our needs. So I'd love to hear your take on kind of how men are becoming more a part of this conversation. And now you actually even have this course for men and how they perhaps have this whole other need for, for certain issues that come up in a space to kind of figure out, um, you know, whether it's how to get out of their own head or how to communicate to their partner about, about these things and how much overlap there might actually be between Mm -hmm. kind of the, the course that you've had for so long for women and this more recent one for men.
1: Yeah, this, there's another really interesting story here. So I know that for women, having challenges with your orgasm can feel very embarrassing and very shameful. And I can speak from personal experience. You know, I really felt like there was something wrong with me and horribly broken about me. And it's very ironic to realize that men are struggling with their own challenges as well. So we all have this tendency to feel like we're very, very alone in something. But the reality is that. Pretty much everyone has had this experience of your body not doing what you want it to be doing. So I, um, you know, after a couple of years, created another course called The Modern Man's Guide to Conquering Performance Pressure. And this is specifically for heterosexual men. It's the only one of my courses that is for heterosexual people only. Um, But I really wanted to speak to some of the particular dynamics that emerged in heterosexual relationships. And so it addresses the three main performance challenges that come up for men, which are difficulty getting or staying hard, um, orgasming too quickly or not being able to reach orgasm at all. So it's, you know, it goes through in the same sort of way as finishing school, really being, you know, super nitty gritty with details and information and techniques and all of this stuff and, and turning it into a learning process. And again with this this same idea that This is something that we all struggle with. We all understand what it's like to have our bodies not be cooperating with our brain's plans. So it's super important for me to help people recognize that we are so not alone in the challenges that we're having.
0: Right, right. I love to say that we're not the only one. We're just one of everyone. Oh, that's great. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And, and that so much of this too, this this shame um, is again learned and not necessarily inherent and this is a quote I actually heard you say before and I think it's about bodies could but could be applied to kind of relationships in general um, inside or outside of a sexual context but you say we were not born being ashamed of our bodies, we were taught to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of if you could just elaborate a bit on how much of this is is socialized and, and learned and kind of how we can use that to kind of take back power over this situation um, and, and create change and kind of not only defenses against that, but try and eventually ideally change the culture itself that is is doing that to us oh gosh yeah I think probably maybe just the first part of the question just the you know how can we kind of help people realize that on one hand and 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 kind of use it for their own power
1: yeah, I mean, I I really believe that the vast majority of the things that we struggle with in our sex lives are things that we have been learned. Or, sorry, are things that we have been taught to believe. Um, so just exactly like what I said with the quote about body stuff. You know, we're not born feeling ashamed of our bodies. You don't see little kids running around, um, you know, being ashamed of themselves. We learn it at a certain point, um, and we're learning it younger and younger and younger, which is really just awful to see, but. Um, it's the same kind of thing with sex you know we learn to be afraid of sex to be ashamed of it to think that it's something embarrassing and that we need to hide from um, so I think it's It's very important for people to recognize, yes, we all have our own individual challenges and struggles and stories, and all of those challenges and struggles and stories are taking place in this pretty much global context of being taught that sex is a dirty word. And so I think that that is a way for us to take back our power that we can recognize this is not me, you know, this is not how I really feel. This is how I've been taught to feel. So I will use that personally, that idea about body shame, you know, with myself. Like, I have my own body struggles. I have parts of my body that evoke more, you know, embarrassment or shame for me. And I recognize that my relationship with my body is a process that is constantly evolving and I'm constantly working on. And so if there are times where some of that shame or self-consciousness, takes up a bigger space than i would like it to be taking. i remind mm. myself of that. like this is not how i really feel about my body. this is how i've been taught to feel about my body by all these photoshopped ads in magazines, by, you know, the seeing the exact same kinds of bodies over and over again on tv and in the movies and in porn. Um, So I remind myself of that. And then I also like, you know, sometimes there are times where, you know, maybe the the self-consciousness is pretty strong that day and I'm really struggling with something in particular Mm -hmm. and even just kind of getting, trying to get fired up, or myself isn't fully doing the trick, sometimes I try to think about like the younger generations, like what would I wanna teach? You know, if I if I think about like a 10 year old girl, an 11 year old girl, like what would I wanna teach her about her body? What would I want her to believe about her body? And that gets me really, really fired up. So I think it's just, you know, putting it in that context and recognizing like this is something that we are taught to believe and that all of us are taught to believe and thinking about those younger generations Um, that are, you know, getting these messages right now and just starting to become self-conscious of their bodies and embarrassed about sex for the first time in their lives. Like if we can get ourselves fired up about that, that can really help shift the feeling inside of ourselves.
0: I I love that comment about the kind of setting the example because I just last week came across um, kind of a poem of sorts a young woman I follow who who writes some beautiful text pieces and she in this piece says that she keeps a picture of her when she was 11 years old around Mm. to look at and to remind herself and to ask herself you know am I making you proud Am I, you know, setting a good example for you and what I want you would want you to learn and you know what you would want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's kind of a cool way to to enact exactly what you just touched on.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I really like that. I've Yeah, I've had clients, I've asked them to pull up pictures of themselves from, you know, just tender ages in their lives or, you know, kind of any memories that they had. Innocent, of <laughs> yeah. You know, if, of any like, particular challenging times. And sometimes, yeah, the picture can evoke a lot. So that can be a good technique to try.
0: Um, and you actually have an article about, you know, do you feel as though your body is your enemy? And that was another article that was sent to me, and that one really resonated with me because it was especially it was in a a very long period of time throughout where I was going through chronic pain due to some ongoing health problems. Mm -hmm. Um and so I really just I loved reading that and I think whether it's, you know, dealing with chronic pain as you do in that article and I as I was reading it, but also in any capacity, in terms of confidence or self-esteem, those same kind of reminders can be so um, important and impactful.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that that resonated with you. That was a, one of the first very, very personal pieces that I wrote. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I come from a psychotherapy background. So all of my training was, you know, don't share things about yourself. It's supposed to be about the share client. Share <laughs> all the
0: things about yourself.
1: Yes. <laughs> that was like right when I first started kind of changing my business model and realizing, you know what, showing up in this way, isn't really serving my clients the, you know, in the best way that I think I can. So I'm glad that that one resonated with you. And yeah, so as a super practical, t- Tip for your listeners. I talk about in that article, what for me ended up being one of the most powerful transformations that I made in my relationship with my body. So at that time I was real, and I still am, I'm struggling with chronic pain after a very bad car accident where I was rear-ended by somebody trying to make a yellow light. And, um, you know, just, the horrible, horrible changes that it brought into my life and what it was like to experience chronic pain for the very first time and really feeling like my body had betrayed me, like it was my enemy um, and just wanting to, you know, just wanting to leave my own skin, like just wishing that I could peel my skin open and leave my entire body behind. So one of the most powerful techniques that really helped me It was actually to start imagining having a conversation with my body. So I'd already sort of been having a conversation in my head with my body for a long time saying horrible things like, you know, why are you doing this to me and why are you in so much pain and why won't you just stop this? Um, But I tried to imagine having a softer and gentler conversation with my body where I sort of told it, you know, I'm sorry that you've gone through this awful thing and I'm sorry that you're in so much pain and I'm sorry that I've been really mad at you for feeling pain. And it just opened up a completely different relationship with my own body. And so I've come back to that basic idea of of trying to talk to my body over and over again in a lot of different ways. But I think it's, um, it's just a very beautiful technique to use where you imagine you know, having a relationship with your body, and it doesn't need to be that you're telling your body, you know, you're beautiful and perfect, and I love you every single second of the day, because <laughs> um, that's just not realistic. None of us have that kind of relationship with our bodies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but just being honest with it, um, just but from a gentler perspective, like, I'm sorry that I've been so hard on you in the past. I'm sorry that we've had such a difficult relationship. I want things to be better between the two of us, and I'm really gonna try. So it's you know it's it's honest and it's real. But again, it's just a very different way of relating to your body that I have personally found to be extremely powerful. And a lot of my clients have as well.
0: Right. And that kind of mind versus body relationship and also kind of how each one influences the other so much and whether or not it's kind of changing your body versus changing your mind and the way you think about it or... In sex, Um, Mm -hmm. to kind of wrap things up, one of my favorite questions to people, because I just think it's so important, underestimated by a lot of people, is how much do you think um, sex is about kind of mind versus body?
1: My opinion is that it's pretty evenly split straight down the middle. So it's definitely a bodily experience. um, And I think sometimes... The, those opportunities when you can get out of your head and just be fully in your body it can be really beautiful and amazing experiences. And at the same time, I think that our you know the way that we think about sex, the way that we can be mentally present during sex, that all makes a really huge impact as well. So I think from experience to experience, it can kind of be more in one zone than in the other, but I think to have a really great and consistently wonderful sex life, having a, a good balance of both is super crucial.
0: Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Um, looking forward to sharing more of your resources with our listeners. And if you want to, as well, tell them where they can find you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. And if people want to learn more, you can find me over at vmtherapy.com. I have a lot of different free guides that I share on my website and I have a free weekly newsletter where I talk about many of the same topics we've talked about today. And I'm really focused on just giving you actionable, concrete tips and
0: suggestions that you can use in your daily life. The BBXX Podcast Let's Get Intimate is produced by Sasha Laurie in Berkeley, California. Dialogue, narrative, and content crafting by Amy Soper. Audio editing, good music vibes, and sound mixing by Danielle Herrera. You can learn more on our website or on our social media at bbxx.world. And if you believe in what we're doing, please do help spread the love by sharing this with someone you care about. Until next time.